Welcome to the Christian Classical Corner with Jesus the Good Shepherd Anglican Church and the Good Shepherd School Project, where we discuss Christian classical education as a way forward for educating God's children. Greetings, friends in Christ. My name is Margaret Douglas, and I am the headmistress of the Good Shepherd School Project at Jesus the Good Shepherd Anglican Church. Let's talk some classical education. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. A prayer for guidance. O God, by whom the meek are guided in judgment and light rises up in darkness for the godly, grant us in all our doubts and uncertainties the grace to ask what you would have us do, that the spirit of wisdom may save us from all false choices, that in your light we may see light, and in your straight path we may not stumble. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A prayer to please God rather than men. O God, in whom we trust, strengthen us not to regard overmuch who is for us or who is against us, but to see to it that we be with you in everything we do. Amen. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Great to be with you and the KKVV family again today to be talking about Christian classical education and how we can use that as a discipling tool for our children and youth, building them up in the ways of the Lord, standing firm in faith against the ways of the world. The prayers that I began with are from our occasional prayer section of our Anglican Church in North America, Book of Common Prayer. And we're talking today about getting past the uncertainties planted in us by our own modern education to get back to the principles that are more classically and biblically centered Praying for guidance is always a good way to start. And the prayer that I prayed for pleasing God rather than men is not only appropriate to the topic, but it was written by Thomas Akempis, a great medieval writer of devotions and reformer of the church in the very early movements of the Reformation, nearly a hundred years before Luther. It's great to hear the voices from the saints of the past who can give us spirit-filled wisdom that's true across the ages. And certainly, we should always be praying that in all our endeavors, we are first and foremost with the Lord. Those prayers, as I mentioned before, can be found in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer 2019. The prayer book is available to you online in PDF form. If you'd like to use it as a tool for your personal devotion, check it out at bcp2019.anglicanchurch.net. That's bcp2019.anglicanchurch.net. So last week, we began to talk about what are called the nine essential principles of classical education. We started through multum non multa, festina lente, and repitio mater memoriae. Much, not many, make haste slowly, and repetition is the mother of memory. And we were focusing so hard on not doing too much slowing down and mastering things and repeating things often, then we only got through those three of the nine essentials. We do try and practice what we preach here at the corner. But that means today that we need to finish off the other six. Now, the brilliant thing is that since we've done the big three, it will be easy to see how the other six all fit in. The first thing I'd like to talk about, and we mentioned this last week too, is wonder. Wonder and curiosity. 
Aristotle wrote that philosophy begins in wonder. We're to teach the wonders of the world and that it's wonderful to be here. Psalm 78, 4 says, We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. German philosopher Joseph Pieper once wrote that the ability to experience wonder is one of the highest possibilities of human nature. Experiencing the wonder is what makes the learning go deep. Experiencing the wonder is what slows us down, what makes us repeat, because what we experienced was wonderful. If we want children to learn and love the true, the good, and the beautiful, we need to show them one, how wonderful those things are. Yet modernity doesn't like wonder. They've replaced it with teaching a world that's commonplace, mundane, controllable, especially controllable. You see, wonder is something that takes us outside of ourselves. When we marvel at the beauty of creation and the moving hand of God in history and the intricacies of perfect mathematics, we stand outside ourselves and begin to see the big picture and our smallness in that. But modernity likes keeping us self-focused. We're more malleable when we're self-focused. We're easier to control. Our chasing wonder and getting in touch with the amazingness of God and the blessings of our own humanity does not serve the purpose of a consumerist state. But it does serve the purposes of repetition and deep learning because when we are enthralled by the wonder of something, we want to keep going back to it again and again. This is one of the reasons that beauty is important in education. Nature is important in education. It helps us to see the wonder of things. But nature and beauty seem to be pretty far from the average modern classroom. Now this takes me to another concept of classical learning, embodied learning. Remember a few weeks ago, I talked about modern author Dr. James K.A. Smith and his book, You Are What You Love, and his idea is that we have to reach and train hearts before we can see real change and real reform. Well, Smith's point is that contrary to modern schools of thought, we are not brains on sticks. Modern schools are great at training brains on sticks, but the problem with that is that real students are real people. They're not brains on sticks. They're whole and they're complete and they need training in all five senses in an effort to train up both head and heart. We're not just minds. We're bodies too and hearts and souls and all of these need to be trained up together. That means that our practices have to encompass whole people. Our education days need to employ all the senses, sight, smell, taste, hearing, touch, we need rhythms and habits and liturgies throughout the day that point to God and his wonder. And I don't just mean liturgies as in chapel services. Yes, daily or as we do at Good Shepherd School, twice daily chapel. This is a good liturgy to employ, don't get me wrong. But liturgy is more than the moments that we set aside for worship or how we do that. The original Greek that it comes from actually means the work of the people. Quite literally, 
It's the nature of our whole being. It's the rhythms of our life. We can't just set church and worship in one corner and the regular school day in another. They are all one, just like we are all one. We are holistic people and we live a holistic life or we will be fragmented. And this is Smith's point. Culture already has its liturgies. Our shopping malls are the great sanctuaries of consumerism. Sports games and their rituals are the great ceremonies. Pop music or rap music or country music, take your pick, whatever music you're listening to, but they have become our hymn books to modern life. So in order to teach counterculturally to all that, we have to engage all the senses, change the liturgies that children experience, make school less like prison blocks and more like an extension of home and hence heart. And music, well, we all know how music affects us, right? I mean, how many earworms do you get in a week? It's one of our biggest rituals, one of our biggest influencers. We internalize music. And if you're my age, yeah, you can read that as old. You remember the songs from the radio in high school much more than you remembered why you actually walked into the room that you're in. Songs, music, they stay with us for a lifetime. So why not use them to teach? This is why songs, chants, and jingles are another of the essential principles of classical education. And they work. Every person I know who was privileged enough to study Latin in school, whether they can remember anything else about Latin, they know those initial chants. Amo, amas, amata, mamos, amatis, amant. Nobody forgets that. And remember Schoolhouse Rock? Back when it was on TV on Saturday mornings? Yeah, if you do, you're probably old too. But never mind about that. I bet even my saying that has at least one of their tunes playing in your head now, doesn't it? You know how a bill goes through Congress. You believe that three is a magic number. You know about adverbs and conjunctions. And you may have even, like me, memorized the preamble to the Constitution that way. So why don't we use them more in our classrooms? Especially for the young who are the most impressionable. Well, we can and we should. And in classical education, we do. And it's not just for the young. Some may remember I talked last time about classical educator, consultant, and writer Joshua Gibbs. Well, Gibbs has a brilliant idea about stressing what's important in his classes. At the beginning of each term, he creates a creed. It's full of all the things that he expects for students to actually know by the end of that term. And it's recited by the whole class. The creed is repeated at the beginning of every class by the whole class as a group. By the end of term, students have those down pat. Gibbs doesn't need to test the students. He can see that they can recite them from memory. And in class, there's deep discussion throughout the term on how they apply and interact and foreshadow. So it's never just rote memorization. But the basics are simply repeated until they're known. That becomes the class liturgy. They're standing together, reading and reciting together, learning together. Chant, embodied learning, repetition, mastery. Are you beginning to see how all of these things fit together and play off each other in a classical classroom? Now, but I know in spite of some of my repeated assurances, some of you out there are afraid that rote memorization is a problem. I hear you. It can always be a problem, can't it? I mean, people just studying to pass a test and move on are really in a lot more danger of only memorizing enough to get by and not really understanding it, aren't they? 
The constant repetition of the things that are important are a biblical structure. We talked about Deuteronomy 6-7 last time on the program. You shall teach them diligently to your children, the verse says of the commandments, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. The Bible doesn't tell us that to have us memorize the commandments by rote and never live them out. The memorization is part of a fully embodied, lived out experience. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. And the classical structure has numerous other ways to safeguard against things becoming just rote. Certainly more than the modern education system and its credentialism does. So let's talk about some of those now. Remember how last time we talked about festina lente, make haste slowly. We talked about achieving true mastery. Well, <laughs> what's the best way to know if you've mastered a subject? You can teach it. That's another of our essential principles. Docendo discimus. In teaching, we learn. This kind of harkens back to the one-room schoolhouse, or <laughs> if you're a homeschool family, it may even harken back to your living room. Olders teaching youngers. Now, there's a gap of about five years between my boys, and I have to tell you, it used to absolutely fill my heart with joy to see my big guy teaching my little guy. And now, the little guy, who's not so little, is one of the senior students at the upper school of Good Shepherd School, and I get to see him helping those who are younger. It's a cycle, and it helps to ensure that there's true mastery of material when older students are called on to mentor and help younger students. <clears throat> this also emphasizes lifetime learning and the idea that we're all scholars, just at different levels of study. The graduate program I'm currently working through doesn't have professors. They have tutors. They're more experienced scholars helping along less experienced scholars. I love that model. That's part of the heart of classical studies. None of the authoritarian nonsense that can often come about with an expert class who believe that they are the keepers of the knowledge. The knowledge is there, and we're all drinking from the same cup. Some of us have just been drinking longer than others, and we're happy to help. And we're all learning something new every day. <laughs> I think I've learned more since I began to homeschool my own children a dozen, dozen or so years ago than I did in much of my school career before that. Plus, having older and more experienced students teach younger and less experienced ones, we're teaching lessons of service. Education is not just something to be spoon-fed into a student. It's a gift that can be given and then can be passed on in service to others. And isn't that one of the primary lessons that we want to teach our students? Do unto others as our Lord taught us. It helps if we set up our schools to model that from the, from the beginning. Docendo discimus, by teaching we learn. But can I make another point here? No one learns well in anxiety. You know how we've talked numerous times about the more faster, more faster society. I have to say, brothers and sisters, it's not conducive to learning in any way, shape, or form. And yet, this is the way that most children go to school, in an environment dominated by clocks and bells and schedules and more and faster and anxiety. In the classical model, we say there's a better way, 
and that's by embracing scolé. Now, I tricked you with that one. Scolé is not a Latin word. It's Greek. In fact, it's the Greek word that the Latin word scola is based upon, and from which eventually we get our own word school, the Spanish escuela, etc. But in the Greek, it doesn't mean school. It actually means, ready for this, leisure. Yep, you heard that right, leisure. Now, I dare you to ask any high school student in a modern public school if they think they are in a state of leisure. <laughs> it's laughable. And yet, the concepts of educating a man deeply began with the ancients in a time where one had to have enough leisure, enough time away from the basic cares of life, to sit down, be at peace, and study. Because seriously, how are you going to learn to truly appreciate the true, the good, and the beautiful if you're just rushing around all the time? The ancients would have thought that was nuts. To them, study was to be done over lots of time, in a beautiful setting, with friends, possibly with some good food and drink. And what do we do? We set up classrooms with no beauty, pushed for time, no talking in class, and no food or drink. Seriously, friends in Christ, we've got this all backwards. We need to recapture the concept of scole in our schools. And that's not just a pedagogy. That's really an anthropology. It's not just a theory of teaching, but a theory of humanity. I read something recently about how we as a population don't really read books as much anymore because we always feel like we must be doing something. But we need to read. We need to rest. We need leisurely chat with friends. We need sunsets. We need quietness. We're fed by these things as much as we are by food and water. We need time to rest, to contemplate, to meditate. Psalm 27.4 says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. We need to teach our students to be at rest. And once again, we cannot teach it unless we model it. Now, brothers and sisters, full confession time. I'm terrible at this. Oh, the Lord and I are still working on it, but we have a lot of work to do. I am a person who's truly a product of the do more culture, and it shows. But since I've been introduced to the concept of scole in classical education, I have been trying to give myself more time to contemplate, to be at leisure, to rest in the Lord and not in my own strength. Because resting in our own gifts instead of he who is the gift giver, yeah, that just leaves us in the rat race, substituting our own strength for God's. And that's always going to be in vain. We need to tune our own hearts in these patterns of scole in ways that leave us open for the Spirit to work in us. And friends, even if we're not modeling it perfectly, when our children and our students see that this is where we're going, that this is what we're yearning for, that this is what matters, this is what we love, they're going to want to follow in those better patterns and have more desire to leave the world's chaotic rhythms behind. And that brings us to our, our last essential, which is educational virtue. Now, we talk about virtue a lot in classical education because ultimately we're teaching for virtue. But there are different kinds of virtues. 
There are the classical virtues of temperance, wisdom, justice, courage, or fortitude. There are the theological virtues of faith, hope, and love, and with the greatest of these being love, of course, and that's what we've always got to strive for in all things, walking in God's love, loving him, loving our neighbors. That's, after all, our ultimate anthropology. So what do I mean by educational virtues? Well, the educational or intellectual virtues are the deep personal values needed to cultivate deep thinking. It's ordering our passions so that we can true, gain truly deep knowledge. That doesn't happen overnight. Again, we're not brains on sticks. You can't just pour knowledge into a person and call them educated. They've not embraced anything deeply in that model. But just like for plants to grow, soil has to be enriched and made ready, so too do the habits of heart and mind. So what are these virtues? Well, they're usually regarded as love, humility, constancy, patience, perseverance, and prayer. Love, of course, as we said before, is everything to us as Christians. We should be a people formed by love in everything we do. But humility is right next door to it. Humility is what makes us put aside self for others, because <laughs> it's a little tough to follow the second great commandment if we can't be humble and put others first, right? Humility certainly does not come naturally. Watch any two-year-old if you doubt me. Mark of the fall, we're all the center of our own little worlds, right? So we have to practice not being that, and we need to show our students how to practice that too and gain humility. How do the other virtues help train us up to live well and think well? Constancy keeps us at things. Learning's often hard and requires diligence. It's natural to want to quit when it's hard. We must train up our students to do otherwise. Patience helps us to bear in those difficulties and lots of other difficulties that will inevitably occur in this fallen world of ours. Perseverance prevents us from falling and courage pushes us to go that extra mile. And prayer? Well, like love, it should influence everything we do. If we're not in tune to what the Lord is saying to us, if we're not constantly in communication with Him, none of it's going to get us anything anyway. And prayer should shape us to God's rhythms, listening to instructions from the Master. So there you have it. Whirlwind tour through the essentials of classical education. Multum non multa, much not many. Festine lente, make haste slowly. Repitio mater memoriae, repetition is the mother of memory. Wonder and curiosity, embodied learning. Songs, chants, and jingles. Docendo discimus, by teaching we learn. Scole, learning from rest. And cultivating the educational virtues. Now, doesn't that sound like a much more conducive atmosphere to learning than the often bleak, always rushed public school buildings that too often treat children like the brains on sticks to be filled up and then sent out to buy things? Isn't it much better, more godly and biblically centered to create an atmosphere of loving children as whole people that God created and training them up as such? That's what we're trying to create at the Good Shepherd School Project. We're currently running an atrium or gathering place for currently homeschooled children and are offering a homeschool partnership program for those families new to the concept. The partnership program is designed to bring students who might not have been homeschooled before 
into Christian classically structured programs so that they can get out of the rushing of modernity and learn new habits, new virtues, and new anthropologies that will bring them closer to God. Know someone who would love to get their children out of the public schools, educate by these classically sound and biblically sound methods, but maybe they've got work or they have other barriers? We can help. Know of homeschoolers in the Valley looking for more depth to their program? We can help with that too. Please check us out at goodshepherdhenderson.info. That's G-O-O-D-S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D-H-E-N-D-E-R-S-O-N dot I-N-F-O. And please do pass it on. And if you know or would like to know more about our church, support our work, find us at vegasanglican.org. Our services are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., and we, of course, would love to have you join us. Find out more at vegasanglican.org. You can donate to our program through that website and learn more about our ministries or the Anglican Church in general. V-E-G-A-S-A-N-G-L-I-C-A-N dot O-R-G. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you, and may he hold you in the palm of his hand. Thank you so much, brothers and sisters, for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. Have a great week, and God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us at the Christian Classical Corner. It's been a pleasure, and we hope that it's been a blessing for you. Want to learn more? Find out more about our school project at goodshepherdhenderson.info and more about our church, where you can support our ministry at vegasanglican.org. Thank you so much. Be blessed. And we'll see you next week, Friday, 8.30 a.m., for more talk on Christian classical education. Mm -hmm.